Good morning, it's Monday the 20th of February and you're listening to Galway Talks with me, John Morley. Coming up on the programme today, a pedestrian has died following a road traffic collision on the N84 yesterday. Ministers finalising proposals on cost of living measures. Galway Tour Guides Association to launch new site on the International Tour Guide Day. The big gig in Galway for earthquake victims in Turkey and Syria will be hearing from Mary Coughlin. Public meeting in Ballinasloe to discuss regional imbalance and reversing rural decline. Action needed on foot of new conversion practices reports. Sports review with John Mulligan. Financial advice with Dave McCarthy. And Galway Republican Roll of Honor book to be published by Sinn Féin for the first time. Plenty of news, views and interviews here on Goy Bay FM between now and 12 midday. A very good morning to you. You're very well, welcome into today's programme. John Morley filling in on the hot seat today for Keith Finnegan. And we have plenty coming up on the show today. We've outlined there in our headlines. Also today, we're giving you the chance to win with thanks to Mubles of Briar Hill Business Park. We have a €100 Euro voucher to give away each day. So be sure to tune in a little, little later on. We'll give you the chance to win that €100 Euro voucher, which can be purchased in store and it can be used in the in-store and in the Mubles Cafe as well. So €100 Euro between now and Friday each day to be given out here on Galway Bay FM. If you want to get in touch with us, you can on our text and WhatsApp line. That's 0863833553. That's brought to you by Rational Windows. Bringing together daylight, beauty and warmth to truly amplify your happy home. You can also get in touch in the programme with our email address. That's comments at goaybayfm.ie C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S at goaybayfm.ie And Siobhan is also on reception on 0917700077 and you can get in touch with her on that as well. Now, unfortunately, today on the programme, we're still going to start off with a very sad story because, again, and it seems like we're doing this a lot in the programme lately, uh, there's been a very tragic road traffic collision over the weekend on the N84. A pedestrian has died following that collision yesterday. And the fatal traffic collision happened on the N84 at Cara Brown on Sunday morning, before, shortly before half past six. And it involved a car and a pedestrian who was pronounced dead at the scene. The pedestrian, a man in his 30s, was removed to the mortuary at University Hospital Galway, where a post-mortem examination will be arranged. The driver of the car was taken to hospital for assessment only. And the road at the crash site was closed for examination by Gar the Forensic Collision Investigators, but it has since reopened. Road users with camera footage, including dash cam, who are travelling in the area at the time, are asked to make it available to investigate in Gardaí. And anyone with information is asked to contact Galway Garda Station 091-538000, the Garda Confidential Line on 1800-666-111 or any Garda Station. But we're joined now on the line by local councillor James Charity. Uh, James, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. James, yet again it seems that there is this tragic news of a Monday morning and it's been happening quite a lot recently, but devastation for the family involved here in Hedford area. Yeah, look, it's on the Hedford Road there. I think a, a deep sense of shock around the area yesterday when all of this filtered out. Um, it became very apparent quite early yesterday morning that a serious incident of some kind had happened along the road. It was shut at Clumbu and also Ballandooley coming out from Galway. Um, and unfortunately, the, the sad news of the fatality filtered out throughout the day. Um, so I think you've outlined there the, the circumstances that we're aware of at the moment. Obviously, it's under Garda investigation, um, and I don't want to make any other particular comment with respect to the circumstances of the accident for the moment, but I would say that obviously our thoughts 
Um, and all of our prayers are with the family involved, the poor young man who was fatally injured in yesterday's accident. Um, not news any of us wanted to hear, and certainly, you know, thoughts and prayers are with them. It's absolute devastation for, for those involved. And I suppose you uh, were one of the ones I, I noticed on, online um, uh, making awareness of this uh, yesterday. And I suppose that stretch of the road, the N84, there have been a lot of accidents in it in, in the past while. Yeah, look, I think, as I say, I don't know the precise circumstances of what happened yesterday. So I'm slow to draw any conclusions at the moment. But I do know from back in 2019 that, you know, we had a, a three-year period analysed where there were 28 accidents, separate accidents, I think, recorded on the car, the Pulse system, along the N84 stretch there between um, Hedford and between Ballandooley, which was quite a high proliferation of accidents. Um, it, it's a, a particularly well-known, dangerous section of road. Um, your listeners will probably be familiar with me, uh, you know, going on for quite a substantial period of time at this stage about how it needs an extension, it needs a hard shoulder, it needs you know, there are, there are no footpaths for walking along it um, and uh, you know, I know for instance landowners in the Ballandooley area have agreed to make land available free of charge for footpaths out there but TAI refused to put them in because it's a national road um, you know, we've heard a lot about active travel measures over the last couple of years. Um, those active travel measures seem to be focused on local roads, on local areas, but not a lot of investment into infrastructure along the national routes. Um, and that's why I think we see uh, a kind of high proliferation of accidents along those particular routes, especially where people are giving land away for free to allow for footpaths. So to, to me, it just is really... Beggars belief that TII don't do more in that regard. Um, but look, that, that's my observations on it. We have a situation, I suppose, where there's obviously an increased number of road traffic fatalities in Galway over the last couple of months. Um, we were at 12 in 2021, down to six last year, and already this year we have quite a few. So, look, there are trends there that are quite evident at the moment, um, and, you know, it's concerning for, I think, any of us as public representatives, as citizens. Um, we want to make our roads safe, and I think, you know, at this stage, we really need to sit back and look at this data and analyse it, uh, and I know certainly the Council is going to be conducting speed limit reviews right around the county over the next couple of months, um, and we will kind of have a public submission process open for that. So any views or submissions that people want to make with respect to speed limits really should be made with that regard, um, and the council will act accordingly. But, um, yeah, the, the proliferation of deaths over the last period, you know, it, it's shocking, it's concerning, and I think it's something we all have to take note of on the roads at the moment. Yeah, and I'm very conscious that the, the, the individual who passed away over the weekend, I know a lot of times people can focus on the statistics but there's a family involved here there's friends, there's a wider community that are feeling this loss and it's never easy when anyone dies but particularly a young man in his 30s in the prime of his life Yeah, 30 just you know, such a phenomenally young age really at this stage it's where you're starting really your life you're starting your future ahead of you um, you know to have that snatched away in an incident um, 
a tragic incident that nobody's expecting. You know, it's devastating news, devastating for his family, devastating for his friends, um, and something that, you know, any of us who know someone who's been lost in a road traffic accident, you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life. Um, so, look, as I say, my heart goes out to, to everybody who knew that the poor deceased man. Um, unfortunately, I suppose we have to deal with the the policy aspect of that for, as politicians, um, which obviously, unfortunately, sometimes boils down to statistics, but this is a man with the life ahead of him who wasn't a statistic. Mm. And, uh, I think there are many more people like that on the road over the last while in Galway that deserve a lot more than to be remembered as, as a statistic. Mm. Now, we're not going to name the, the man in question out of respect to the family, but is there any information locally there, Councillor Charity, as to the individual who passed away? Um, news is still filtering through. I think there are certainly names circulating, but again, I think out of respect to the family, I, I don't think it's appropriate for me to go any further than that. Yeah. And important to mention as well that Gardaí are appealing for anyone who witnessed this incident to come forward. They're looking for, for dash cam footage, etc., and any information. I think very much so, yeah. Obviously, it was uh, quite early in the morning yesterday at half six. There wouldn't have been a lot of traffic on the road on a Sunday morning um, on the N84, but anybody who was on the road that early will know that they were there and will know that there's dash cam footage available if there is. So it, it should become readily available quite quickly, I would hope. Um, and look, anything that can shed some light on the accident and certainly contributes to the investigation of a Garda Shikon and determining exactly what happened here um, and really assisting the wider community in terms of ensuring road safety and ensuring that you know appropriate action is taken on that stretch is to be welcomed. So certainly I'd encourage anybody who has footage to come forward in early course. Okay, Councillor James Cherry, thank you for joining us indeed on today's programme. Thank you very much. Now, still to come up on the programme, we'll be looking at the costs of living measures which are being finalised by ministers this evening. We have a, a business reporter coming on from the Irish Examiner to discuss that in a little bit more depth. And also, we'll be looking at that uh, Irish Tour Guides Association in Galway that they're launching their new site on International Tour Guide Day tomorrow. So all that plus lots, lots more to become between now and 10 o'clock in this hour of the programme. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. A very good morning to you. You're very welcome back into today's programme. If you want to get in touch with the programme, you can do so on our text and WhatsApp number. That's 086 33 That's brought to you by Rationale Scandinavian Windows, creating bespoke, modern and energy-efficient alu-clad windows and doors as well. You can also email comments at goibayfm.ie and also our phone number, Siobhan's at reception. It's 091-770077. Now, though, we're going to turn our attention to the cost of living support packages due to be announced by Cabinet Tomorrow, senior coalition figures will meet this evening to finalise the plans on the cost of living measures with the final package due to be signed off by the full cabinet. And it's expected that some temporary supports that were in place will have to be unwound. The three coalition party leaders will be joined by ministers from finance, public expenditure and also social protection. To discuss this further, I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by the business reporter with the Irish Examiner, Koch Cadden. Koch, a very good morning to you. 
Good morning, John. How are you today? I'm very good, Coach. Coach, talk to us, though, about this. Uh, it's been rolling on there over the weekend, a lot of kite flying as well. Um, what are you expecting to see tomorrow from this package? Yeah, so tomorrow's package is going to be significantly less than what was in the budget. Uh, loads of government uh, ministers have, have indicated that. So what we're going to expect is some slight add-ons that are going to target mostly the vulnerable. Uh, unlike in the budget that were, there were more wide uh, wide, wide um, uh, measures introduced, you know. So what we're going to expect in the in the cost of living measures tomorrow is another double payment of child benefit. This would be this would cost the state around two hundred million. Uh, double weekly welfare payment to pensioners and those on job seekers allowance, which would cost about three hundred and thirty million. Uh, these sound costly, but the state did do very well post-COVID. And that's important to remember. We do have a good bit of cushioning there. So when when those things sound expensive, they're actually quite cautious. So they are targeted measures for those who are the most vulnerable, but they are quite cautious by government because they are looking at the future and, and possible economic headwinds that could come down the line. So where will the who will be the biggest losers, I suppose, in this? There's talk that it's going to be the business community that are going to be at the loss in order to support the, the households and the vulnerable. Yeah, so th- there is a little bit of good news for businesses. So there's been some changes made to, we expect some changes to be made to TBES, so the Temporary Business Energy Support Scheme. So what we're looking at there is that there is going to be uh, the cap that's currently there of €10,000 per month per business, which is given under the scheme, is set to be raised. Or if you are, if you have a business with multiple premises, um, that will be raised past 30,000 which is that at the moment but things are expected to be difficult for businesses this year the VAT rate is expected to go up um, and then other things that have a knock-on effect like the the moratorium on, on rent and uh, eviction is going to be lifted at the end of next month so at the end of March and I mean if businesses can't house their employees that's going to be a drag as well. So there are things that are coming to an end and certainly the VAT rate is very much high on businesses' minds. Uh, That's expected to go back up to the pre-pandemic level of 13.5% and many have said that they will struggle with that. Um, But I suppose TBES is a little silver lining that they're expecting tomorrow. Surprising though that it will go back up to that 13.5%. I know we had hoteliers on with us last week and they very much said that that 13.5% would have us at the top of the food chain really in Europe in terms of the VAT and that we're actually more in line with the rest of Europe at the 9%. Yeah, we will be one of the most expensive again. And this isn't new. I mean, I did a report in 2020 before the pandemic hit. It was at the very start. And within the first few days of January 2020, five restaurants had closed in Dublin. And uh, I went around and interviewed many others who were struggling. And they said VAT was high up there with one of the things that they were battling. And uh, at that point, it was 13.5%. Now, that was the boom time. uh, That was a boom time measure as well so that used to be nine percent in Ireland and then it went up uh, post post crash back to 13.5 dropped again for a pandemic down to nine percent but if government are thinking logically here and they put the nine the VAT rate down to nine percent 
during unprecedented COVID times. We're still living in unprecedented times. Inflation is still high. I know it has eased back to 7.8% in Ireland, but at the same time, businesses are struggling and it, you know, it doesn't make sense to me and to a lot of businesses to hike the VAT rate back up. But I suppose government do have to try to fine line here. We are in a good position financially and they want to keep it that way because who knows what this winter will bring. Yeah, and I suppose and Sinn Féin have made the point that they can't out of one side of their mouth be saying that uh, they have loads of money and then not actually be paying out the supports as well. And and the hospitality sector and hoteliers in particular have been very strong in saying that this VAT rate, what that really is, you're putting it onto consumer because that's where they're obviously and ultimately going to have to put it onto. Of course, and uh, I can't remember the report that made this point, but it was a very good point saying that basically everything from your cup of coffee to your wedding is going to be increased with this VAT rate, like it will be passed on. And yes, they can claim it back eventually, but that's a huge hit uh, initially when when you're passing that cost on to consumers. And with, with inflation, I mean, I don't know about you, John, but I've become a lot more careful about the money I spent. And I'm kind of looking a lot more further down the line. So I'm not spending on, you know, things like the odd cup of coffee and things that you could go without. But that that does hit businesses, like that hits the economy. So yeah, with the VAT rate going up, it's not it's not the initial, the cost will be passed on to consumers, but will the consumers actually pay that cost in this economy? That's the problem. Yeah, well, Arthur Guinness is definitely feeling the pinch uh, on my end. But looking um, at the uh, energy credit uh, situation, I know someone we both know, Gabby Agatavascaita of the Irish Independent, she's in a lot of work on this today. It looks like the Greens have got the way and that that uh, €200 euro energy credit uh, will not be uh, forthcoming. Yeah, and I actually don't think that was a bad move by the Greens and it's easy to say oh the greens aren't giving us the energy credit but really we do need we we want to have that security blanket in the winter because I don't know about you but I use less energy in the summer um, and we actually used a lot less energy than expected in winter because it was quite mild um, due to climate change and that kind of thing so you know in the, at winter, we are expecting to see high energy costs again. And that's because uh, energy suppliers like Electric Ireland, they hedge their costs in, from wholesale prices about a year ahead. So that means that we will not see a drop in energy costs this year. And if we get a colder winter, we will need that energy credit. So not getting it in summer and having the option possibly there for it in winter, well, I think it's a lot better, to be honest. And it will also allow it to be more targeted because I know when it came out originally, it was just a blanket energy credit. At least now you can focus it in. And that seems to be what government seem to be doing with a lot of these different schemes that they're doing at the moment, similar to the, the road haulage, uh, haulage situation as well. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Like this was the focus of the of the package that will be signed off tomorrow is it's going to focus on the most vulnerable. And that's what we need to see at the moment. I mean, I know everybody is feeling the pinch and feeling cost pressures. It's very difficult, but like I'm feeling it, but I'm like, I don't have any kids. You know what I mean? Uh, the, some, some people are definitely feeling it more than others and they do need that extra cushioning now, um, especially when the, you know, the landlords can start evicting people again next month and that kind of thing so yeah definitely I, I think nobody is going to complain about the government's mindset of focusing on the most vulnerable here but mm. then again this will be the last um, package basically of measures before next budget yeah. so whatever they introduce today there will be no mini budget after this this is it
And or t- tomorrow, I say, not today. Yeah, well, we saw the difficulty that posed when the Ukrainian war situation came as well, and there wasn't much flexibility. I know they did bring it forward a month as well. But just to look further at that um, energy credit situation, because... I know the line that governments uh, have tended to give throughout the years, particularly Fine Gael-led governments, is that the market will, will fix the problem and the market will correct it. And it seems like the first murmurs of that are happening now as we see Pinergy have announced the fall in their prices. Yeah, exactly. And that's interesting as well. But on, on a grand scale, that won't happen because, as I said before, wholesale gas prices have ju- they dipped. They have dipped already, and the market is regulating itself. But the consumer, like us, like we won't see that in our bills for a while. And Pinergy have dropped down. Um, it is interesting to see that, but at the same time, like they, like every other supplier, I I imagine hedge their costs ahead of time because that's what they have to do um, in order to protect from even greater economic headwinds. Like say, you know. There was some spontaneous uh, pressure on gas supply. You know, we would feel that straight away. But if they hedge the costs a year in advance, it is it is a great cost for the consumer. But at least we're more prepared. You know what I mean? So uh, I don't imagine we're going to see any huge drop in energy pricing um, across the board for across energy suppliers this year, to be honest. But it does. There are signs that the market is starting to regulate itself, which is great. Uh, that said, we're coming up to the one year anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Um, who knows how long that's going to go on for? Um, hopefully not too much longer. But as it does go on, it will continue to put pressure on gas and energy. Give us your reaction to that uh, latest uh, poll, because it feeds into this there, that shows support for Fine Gael has increased, but Sinn Féin remains the most popular party. The latest Sunday Times Behaviour and Attitudes poll opinions suggests, and it shows there that Fine Gael's support has increased by four points, while the poll suggests that Taoiseach of Radcliffe's party now stands at 23 points, and is the third most popular party in the country. Sinn Féin still the most popular, 31%. Fianna Fáil is at 24%, down one point. Meanwhile, both the Green Party and Labour are on five percent so that's a one percent increase for labor there labor and finnegale making gains there coach can we read into that at all I mean, I think it's, you know, when you're in a difficult situation, it's about sticking to the devil, you know. You know, people don't like uncertainty in, in uncertain times or further uncertainty. Um, you know, we've never had Sinn Féin and I suppose that's their biggest playing card at the moment. You know, we've had Fianna Fáil, we've had Fine Gael, we've had the Greens um, and at one point we had Labour as well. We've never had Sinn Féin in government properly. So um, I think there's a bit of fear there in terms of we don't know what their economic policy is going to be like and it does boil down to the economy at the end of the day and um, you know I think people are just a little bit cautious about that and that's that's what I can see there but at the same time they could very well come out and be like you know we you haven't had us yet and this is what you got with the with the rest of them so give us a go you know so it's still all to play for really if an election is called um the by the end of this year or next year or whenever um so I wouldn't read too much into gains so far. I think people just like what they know when they're in unprecedented times. Yeah. I'll just go stay with us there if you don't mind, Coach. Just go to our text lines for the minute. It says, Good morning. I have no sympathy for hoteliers, publicans and the likes. When the VAT rate was low, they increased their prices. I was recently quoted nearly €200 Euro 
for a single room in a small town in Donegal. And as regards the publicans, we felt sorry for them during the pandemic and supported them at the risk to our own health. What do they do? Increase the price of a pint again and again. That comes in from Dennis in Corundula. Uh, I suppose it's it's a fair point and a point I did make to the hoteliers last week, Coach, that... Uh, it's, it's all good and well on one end saying that you, you want the VAT to remain low on that, but then when there's a big concert or there's a festival on, the prices for hotel rooms goes through the roof. I mean, yeah, that has been a scandal in recent months, um, the price of hotels. Now, there, the the Ukrainian crisis uh, has put pressure on hotels, but that only tells a bit of the story. I mean, yes, you, refugees are being housed in, uh, in, in a lot of hotels across the country. But at the same time, I mean, there is a trend of hiking prices once anything is going on in the nearby area. So there does need to be a little bit of regulation and a, and a little look into what's going on there. Um, but in terms of the pubs, like I do have sympathy for them, I have to say. They came through a very tough time with COVID. And in terms of the price of the pints, I mean, their their suppliers are putting that price up. Like Diageo, put, which make Guinness, put up the price of a pint by 12 cent plus VAT. I mean, pubs can only absorb so much. They're dealing with insurance costs. They're dealing with um, premises costs, input costs. You know what I mean? They're going to have to put some of these costs onto consumers. And and Diageo know this. And as well, it, it is costing more to make everything. Unfortunately, prices are just going to have to go up in this situation with inflation at the high rate it is. But at the same time, I do get what you're saying about the hotel prices. There is something going on there where, you know, they are making gains when they know they can. If, if you know, like I'm going to Bruce Springsteen in May and I am I am so worried about getting somewhere to stay, you know? So maybe that's go, kind may, of thing. Maybe, maybe go see him in Italy or somewhere that like he might get a cheaper coach. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the tickets now, so what can I do? Yeah. I know just it's a good point you made there about the whole refugee situation and pressure on hotels there. I know it's been touched on as well by the media in the last few weeks, but with the summer tourism season coming on, where, where it might have been more profitable for hotels to be housing refugees over the off winter season, now that's going to all change as we head into Paddy's weekend and on into summer. Yeah, and unfortunately what you don't want to see there is refugees becoming the ones that uh, have the fallout of this. So obviously as we hit the summer season, hotels will want to be welcoming in more tourists. They are getting very uh, valuable government contracts to house these refugees though. So, you know... it'll have to be made worth their while and it's a horrible thing to say in such a terrible situation. Um, You just don't want to see refugees intense and that kind of thing. They're fleeing war, you know? Um, So, yeah, it'll be a difficult um, balance for government in that situation because hotels will be back and down the door saying this is our industry we want to see tourists stay in these hotels and and the refugee crisis is very much as, as something the state has to solve mm. in terms of where where to house house people so um and i mean again you look at across the country there are so many derelict sites like you know it doesn't take a genius to know that dublin is overpopulated and they just need to look outside the box that is Dublin when it comes to situations like these.
Yeah. Just final thoughts on that, uh, Coach, because I know the Irish Hotel Federation and even the hospitality sector at large, they're a very strong lobbying group and the government have been very tight-lipped on this. Usually we see a, a kite or two flown, um, but there's been no kite really flown on this VAT rate. Do you expect it to go back up to that 13.5% or could we see a compromise where it goes up to maybe a 10 or 11% and not the full 135 I would be very surprised if they did hike the rate. They have dug their heels in about this and it's surprising you know as you say the the tourism sector they are quite influential and they're a big industry in Ireland um but no like the the government have dug their heels in saying that there will be no uh the nine percent fat rate will not stay um unlike our nearest neighbors in the UK which they dropped their um they dropped their VAT rate down to five percent during the pandemic and then they raised it to twelve point five percent. Uh they'll raise it to twelve point five percent in March. Mm. And um that's still below us, you know. So yeah, I mean I would be surprised to see it. They've been very decisive about it. Uh so I, I can't see that happening. Yeah. Well ministers are meeting to discuss this later on today, so it'll very much be business time tonight. And hopefully they can bring home the goods, Coach. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Coach Cadden, business reporter with the Irish Examiner. Thank you for joining us on Galway Talks. Thank you very much, John. Well, you have to have a bit of fun with it sometimes. Uh, 0863833553. That's our text and WhatsApp number. Get your messages into us on the programme. Still to come, we'll be talking to Gabrielle Campbell, the chairperson of the Galway Tour Guides Association. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. A very good morning to you. Welcome back into today's programme. Let's just go to your comment lines there. We are so annoyed with the closure of Clifton Hospital. They have money for tourism and greenways. The people of Connemara don't matter if we get a stroke or a heart attack. Where do we go? We haven't a hope in hell they are all talk and no action. Traffic in Moy Cullen is very bad. Can you please highlight this? There is a small black and white terrier missing from the Riverside area since yesterday called Reception. And it took me an hour and a half to get from Uchtrar to Goa City. It is totally unacceptable, especially for people going to work. Also, people reacting to our last piece there. I'm sick to, at listening to hotels and publicans how they have suffered during COVID. Didn't the whole world suffer too. Well, I suppose um, a lot of pubs and businesses have closed uh, during the COVID period and even since then. So I suppose that there, there are genuine fears there for people in the sector. But now we're going to look at the tourism sector because uh, Galway Tour Guides Association are to launch their new site on International Tour Guide Day tomorrow. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the programme by Gabrielle Campbell. She's the chairperson of Galway Tour Guides Association. Uh, Gabrielle, very good morning to you. Good morning, John. Thanks for talking to me. No hassle at all. Uh, Gabriel, you might just talk to us about the launch of your new revamped website. It's taking place tomorrow at 12 noon in the Hardyman Hotel in Galway. That's right. Uh, well, we had, we had two websites 
uh, that were pretty outmoded, so we decided to amalgamate them. And uh, uh, a gentleman called Adam Birmingham of Future Proof, along with uh, Jim Ward, our social media officer, uh, put it together and uh, put together a website that's easy to read, easy to navigate, uh, to find a local tour guide, uh, even the most all our tour guides on the website are fully accredited and are professionally trained and qualified. And a lot of them are national tour guides, uh, but they're also uh, the local tour guides and driver guides indeed on, on the website. So it's actually very, uh, it's aimed at people who locally would be looking for guides, not only people, also various incoming tour operators, uh, people that set up conferences, cruise ship arrivals and so on. Talk to us, though, about uh, the current season. Has it been busy for you so far this year? Well, so far this year, not not really yet, because our season really kicks up. Will it be kicking up probably starting off really in the week after next with St. Patrick's Week? That's officially sort of the start of our season. And it runs into October, November, if you're lucky. Uh, it's very much a seasonal, a, a seasonal job. And, and uh, but it's looking good. The book, bookings are good. Bookings are looking very optimistic. And I know you have a wide range of tours uh, between different uh, tour guides across Galway City and County. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, the website is aimed for somebody looking for a tour guide. Uh, now, some of our tour guides also have tours. Uh, there is a distinction there, yeah. uh, uh, but uh, we have a wide range and we're qualified to guide everywhere in Ireland. And uh, of course, our website is mostly for people looking for a guide uh, in Galway and Connemara, also the Burren, the Cliffs of Moher, but we can go anywhere in the country. Mm. And the website itself, the new website, will there be bios of the different types of tour guides or how do people get a feel for who they want? Yeah, so if, when you go, there's so it's the the Galway uh, the Galway Tour Guides dot com is the website, and uh, straight away you have you come up to the page that says find the tour guide. So you click into that, and uh, you straight away have uh, the list of our guides. And uh, now you can refine the search whether you want a driver guide or a specific language. Because a lot of us speak different languages: French, German, Italian, uh, also Irish. We're a good few of both five members, I think, uh, do tours in Irish. And then you've got the picture of the tour guide, and you can view view the guide. So you can click in to view the guide, and uh, you will get uh, that guide's bio and uh, con contact details. A phone number, email, and there's also a contact form if you want to contact them directly. Mm. So it, it makes it very easy to actually uh, get in touch with someone. Yeah, and you're uh, very timely. You're announcing this new revamped website on International Tour Guide Day. Talk to us a bit about that. It's not something I would have heard of in the past. No, it's, it's this uh, International Tour Guide is uh, going on since about, I think, 1990. And uh, it was set up by the World Federation of Tourist Guides, uh, which um, gathers, I think there's over 2 million members uh, directly and indirectly as well, because all of us that are part of a National Tour Guides Association, like, like we are, we're part of ATSCI, which is the National Tour Guides Association, uh, are associated with the World with the W uh, WSPGA, and um, they set that up uh, to actually promote the use of uh, professionally qualified tour guides. Because one of the main problems we have with our profession is 
that a lot of the time some people call themselves tour guides because oh yeah this is a grand job now and they hop onto a bus and they i'll just have to tell a few stories and i'll be fine but actually our job is much more complicated much more difficult than that a lot of us have history history degrees archaeology degrees and we're also very good on organizational skill because at the end of the day it's the tour guide that brings together uh, a tour for the visitors uh, when when they arrive here. So the, the International Tourist Guide Day was set up to promote this. And a lot of places, there's free tours. There's a lot of places. Uh, for instance, Croke Park uh, tomorrow has free visits and uh, in to, to celebrate uh, this Tour Guide Day. Do we know if there's anything like that happening in the Galway area? No, I'm afraid not. No, no, no. Well, we have the launch of our website i suppose that's not uh, that's not really aimed uh, as public entertainment but will there be anything happening at that that, that launch tomorrow at 12 noon in the hardy man in terms of speakers or anything like that yeah well i'll be speaking just to welcome everyone and the navigation of the website will be explained and uh, that, that's about it so definitely aimed at uh, tour guides and people in that industry. So and we have invited people that are associated that are in the tourism uh, business and that uh, are in, in that that uh, well, like with the Galway City uh, Council tourist officer and the Galway Council tourism officer invited the tourist office. So so people that basically uh, are involved in tourism. Very good. Um, so it's going to be an important tool for people who are looking for a tour guide in terms of the standardization. You mentioned there uh, the fact that um, y- y- you've all the qualifications of different tour guides, people. Is there a, is there a threat to people um, in the industry from, I suppose, people just decide upon themselves to give tours? Is, is that a big threat in the yeah. industry? Uh, that can become a problem, yes. That, that, can, be a, that, that can become a problem. Okay. Uh, but which I, well, the only way to deal with it really is to promote as much as possible uh, the fact that approved tour guides are the ones to go with. Not only here in Ireland, it's everywhere in Europe. Uh, it's an issue. And uh, so some countries have actually banned uh, unqualified tour guides, uh, but we don't have that situation here yet. Okay. Well, that's um, that's very good. Just give us the website again if uh, people want to have a look at it when it does launch tomorrow at 12 noon. Uh, it's www.galwaytourguides.com www.galwaytourguides.com Very good. Gabriel Campbell, the chairperson of Galway Tour Guides Association. Thank you for joining us on Galway Talks this morning. Thank you very much for having me, John. That's great. It's Gabriel Campbell speaking to us there on all things tour guides and course tomorrow international tour guide day that's a new one for me definitely let's get a bit of music here to take us up to the top of the hour here is the academic with my very best Yeah. 
is the academic with my very best. Uh, still to come on the programme today, I'm delighted to say we'll have Mary Coughlin on after the 10 o'clock news and sport. It's to promote this big gig in Galway for earthquake victims in Turkey and Syria. Also later on in that hour, we'll be speaking to MEP Chris McManus. He's talking to us about a public meeting in Ballinasloe to discuss regional balance and reversing rural decline. And a little later on then, we'll be talking about... Uh, this action needed it on foot of a new conversion practices report. We'll be speaking to LGBT Ireland CEO Paula Fagan. All that plus lots, lots more still to come up on today's programme. Also a reminder that our Community Matters programme will be coming from Bohermore this coming Friday. We're bringing our current affairs programme on the road across city and county this spring. If you have a story to tell, let us know by contacting comments at goybayfm.ie and come to our live broadcast between 9 and 12 noon on this Friday in Tonery's Bar in Bohermore. Great programme lined up. Goa Talks highlighting the issues that matter to your community only on Goa Bay FM. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. 